Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. This is episode 165 of the show, and today we've got Brett Kaufman of Kaufman Development joining us. It's a great episode. Brett talks about his story, how he found himself as an entrepreneur and what he believes in, and and I think you guys are going to learn a lot from this episode. Brett's got a lot of great advice, so as always, we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope you'll learn a lot. Before we get to that episode, though, as usual, we got to take a quick moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. we got a great guest joining us today, Mr. Brett Kaufman, and Brett is the founder and CEO of Kaufman Development. And he's been working in the real estate industry for over 20 years with a focus on investment, banking, and development. Brett has received numerous awards for his professional accomplishments, including being recognized twice as the Developer of the Year by the Building Industry Association, as well as the Entrepreneur of the Year by the Ernst & Young Association in 2014. And the Kaufman Development Team runs numerous communities here in Columbus. And Brett is recognized as one of the top 50 business leaders in the region for his ability to drive innovation within his organization, as well as for his impact on the community at large. We're really excited to have Brett on the show to discuss everything him and his team have going on. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Brett. Thank you. It's great to be with you guys. Yeah, it's really exciting to have you here. We were just talking. You came all the way from Hong Kong last night, so 
a little tired, but uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. So is that a typical trip, something you guys do a lot? Uh, no, but we do have a pretty regular kind of discipline about traveling with the family, and we do that uh, at least uh, once a year for kind of a extended time and to a different place every time. So this is our first time going to Asia, but we, we try to take a couple weeks as a family and go somewhere new and far away, uh, usually in the summertime. So you're going for, what, two weeks then? Or? Yeah, just, just a little under this time. And then kind of one of the places we'd like to start off just to uh, get some background and set the foundation is any highlights that you have and starting even as early as childhood, you know, where you grew up and, and the monumental things that happened along the way that kind of paved you into who you are and then led into your professional career starting. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, we could probably talk about that for the full hour because my belief system really is that everything that has happened from childhood and probably even before, not to get too woo-woo right out of the gate, but um, at least starting from childhood has informed my entire life. And all of the events between then and now, you know, in my worldview have kind of perfect synergy even at times where they don't appear to be clear and in hindsight you know certainly it's all been um, kind of perfectly designed and that's you know something that I've really grown to feel convicted about over time and as I've been able to kind of see how it's all unfolded you know really feel even more confident about and use as kind of a guiding light to go forward as well so Kind of a, a you know high level answer to the question. More specifically, I grew up, uh, was born in Miami, Florida, uh, moved to Akron, Ohio, and spent my kind of early childhood years there. Moved to Columbus when my parents got divorced at age ten, and you know those first ten years were kind of full of a lot of mixed experiences for me. A lot of good times and good memories, but there was a lot of chaos and a lot of, you know, kind of trauma, I would, I would, you know, feel comfortable saying that ensued in having the environment that, you know, I was in. Um, my father um, was an addict and the house was uh, at times very disruptive. He was very disciplined and very strict, you know, probably abusive at times. And so that was all, you know, quite challenging for me, yet not really knowing that either, you know, being too young to really appreciate that that was abnormal at all. It was just my experience. So continued that on into, you know, a, a kind of a change in moving to Columbus at a young age, starting over and, you know, kind of finding my way into life and that took a lot of twists and turns and same is true as I got started in my career, a lot of twists and turns and I'm happy to unpack all of that, you know, but again, I look back on those days, that kind of early childhood and, and now see probably more than ever just how powerful those experiences were for me to be able to really start to lean more and more into what it is that I believe my purpose is and how I might be able to use that experience to serve other people and to make a difference in in my life and work. So I think Michael definitely, he'll uh, he'll ask you and unpack that a little bit here in a second, but sure. a question that's kind of off the rails, not on our typical outline, just because you 
you kind of sparks curiosity with me talking about your childhood and kind of the experience you've gone through. Mm-hmm. It seems like you take a really philosophical approach to life, and it seems like you, I mean, just from the way that you're talking, maybe have a strong rooting base and faith and things like that. So as you went through your childhood and as you progressed, what do you think led you down the trajectory and kept you on the right path as, as you went forward and took all the different turns? Do you ever reflect back on that or think on that? Yeah, well, it's an interesting thing because, you know, I, I grew up in a Jewish household and yet you know we were not very observant i would say we were kind of culturally jewish we were uh observant of the holidays and traditions kind of on a uh, high level basic level and we're very much kind of you know a part that was part of our family unit it wasn't so much about a true faith and over time I kind of went through different phases with faith, uh, including a period of time where I was, I would say, an atheist, just really did not believe that kind of the stories and the traditions, you know, or, or God even was something that made a lot of sense to me. That has changed um, more in recent years in my adult life where um, for a variety of reasons I've started to believe, in fact, pretty strongly that there is really a universe and a consciousness and, and I'm comfortable calling that God that exists and that really is of uh, an intelligence that is not always easy for us to understand, but it's really the only way that I can confidently explain how life is unfolding. And the more that I you know, see that continue to happen, the harder it was for me to ignore that that just um, couldn't be all coincidence and, and accidental. And so, yeah, I do have a pretty strong faith that, you know, there really is a higher intelligence. God, in my case, you know, the language that I use, but doesn't really matter that, you know, is kind of behind all of this. And I think we're heading towards territory where we definitely could spend the entire podcast talking about this subject, but I want to kind of pivot back towards your early career in life. So one thing that I'm curious about, right, you you strike me as the type of person who kind of would always have big goals, but have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Is that something that's always kind of driven you, or is that an idea that that grew early on in your career? Yeah, so, you know, in that kind of early, you know, zero to ten, which I explained, and then, you know, what happens after that is, you know, let's just call it 10 to 20, where I'm, you know, in my academic years and, you know, 22, I guess, when I graduate from college. And, And maybe, I guess, for some people, they're thinking about, those kinds of things. I have a, a 17, almost 18 year old who's getting ready to um, go to college. He'll be a senior in high school. And, and when we go on college visits or, you know, just general conversation, graduation parties, people will say, you know, what do you want to do? And, and I find that to be astounding that one, people ask, but two, maybe even more so that there's some expectation that, that you are supposed to know. I'm 44 years old, and I, I'm not sure I really know what I want to do yet. I'm kind of starting to think I might, but but I don't really. So um, definitely had no sense as to what I wanted to do for a career, for work. And and frankly, I, fe- I feel like I was way too unconscious of a human being. And I, I don't mean to sound like, you know, this, this is some kind of enlightened thing, but like, 
I kind of felt like I was going through this like motion that was mostly dictated by my parents, society, friends, some sort of flow that kind of exists that is how people get shepherded through life. And that's just what was happening to me for a very long time, certainly through childhood. I, now, in, in going back and really looking at this, which you know I've started to do in therapy and other things, I, I can remember that there were kind of flashes of insight that in you know looking back makes sense you know that i remember seeing blueprints you know at, at my dad's office he was a uh, aluminum siding salesperson and i and i have a clear memory of seeing those blueprints laid out at his office and there are other things like that i you know my parents got divorced as i said my mom took us to the therapist um, when we were little my sister hated it i loved it so that, that was like this idea of growth work, of coaching, of mental health. You know, that's something I, I clearly now can look back on and say, I've really always gravitated to that. Sat in my psychology 101 class in college, mostly hated every class I ever took, <laughs> but that one I liked. You know, I could probably start to you know, go backwards and look at some dots that just were totally unconnected at the time. And for whatever reason, either I didn't have the confidence or the support or the courage to really lean into those things earlier. You know, maybe people with really, really strong self-esteem set up in the right proper environments, they see those flashes of insight and they go, I want to be a psychologist and that's what I'm going to do. I was, you know, valuing other things. I was valuing you know, how things looked and success and money and business and kind of what was surrounding me at the time. And, you know, therefore, you know, maybe more conflicted, unclear, confused about what the future might look like. And it's funny, you know, like you mentioned the blueprints, right? Like little things in our lives that, like you mentioned earlier, kind of tying it back to what you said earlier, is that like everything in your life leads up to this point and what you're doing now. And, it's something that you said struck me. I thought, like, what do you want to do is the question that most people just spend their whole lives thinking about. Like, and, you know, some of us might know what we want to do or we think we know what we want to do, but deep down in your core, you know, you might not have that true conviction that I think, like, you can really tell when someone's found something that they love to do and have a real conviction about it uh, versus somebody who's like, yeah, I really want to be, you know, an entrepreneur, and they're saying that, but do they really believe that at their core? or I really want to be a doctor, but really it's like what my parents have just told me I thought I should be my whole life. So how do you go about chasing that concept? Like you said yourself, you're still not really sure what do you want to do. There's a lot of young professionals and entrepreneurs out there listening right now who are struggling with that same question. What are the things you think about and what are the things you pursue? Is it just kind of, hey, whatever takes my interest? Or do you have like a mindset? Do you have something that shapes your, your goals and where you pursue? Yeah, so we have some commonality and built to lead. Chet Scott, we've all both worked with, and you know when I met Chet, Chet really helped me get clear on who I am, what I believe, my worldview, my identity, my purpose. These are these are things that I had not truly thought about, or certainly not taken the time to discover and define. And so 
when you do that, when you go through an exercise of really asking yourself questions that you might not know the answers to, that might be hard to be honest even with yourself to write down on paper, certainly to share with other people, when you start going through that exercise, you start to get pretty clear on what you know and what you don't know about yourself. And ultimately, you know, going through that process and some other things, you know, have really helped me get clear on on what kind of life I want to have. And certainly how you spend your time working is a big part of that. So I, I now have the luxury of knowing that and using that to really define what I want to do and what I don't want to do. You know, that said, it's, it's still a challenge. You know, as I said, I'm still figuring it out. And the challenge is, is that for my case, you know, I, I started Built to Lead, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, give or, give or take. So, you know, at 35, six years old, I think I, maybe it was a little less than 10 years because I'm 44 today, but at 35, 36 years old, you know, I, I'm now starting to think about, you know, well, what do I want to do? And I've got 35 years of programming of being a different way, a different kind of way. So that keeps creeping back in and it still does today. You know, I, I call it the ego and it's not like the egoic, like, look at me. It's like this, this thing that runs, right? The voice, the unconscious kind of you know, voice that that's that's been that programming for all those years that that creeps in, and it, and sometimes it can be sneaky, and so that you know is constant. I have to constantly calibrate when I when I'm following my essence, my heart, and using that to be uh, and do, or if I'm getting away from that and using my head or my ego and letting that be the thing that's driving me. And, and so to me, that's, you know, kind of ultimately the filter. It's that core strength that you define and build, you know, through a real disciplined effort and then a constant calibration of making sure that you're running things through that soul, essence, heart, intuition, whatever you want to call it, to define what you want to do. And, and that might sound kind of like, Oh, sure. Great. You know, but the practice of mastering that is really the work. And, and that is not work I've mastered by any means, but that's the constant work is, you know, when, when the fear shows up or the scarcity shows up or the, all, all the things that you might have to give up that you've attached to that you, you know, have designed your life around that feel good, whatever it is, you know, making the decisions then to follow the heart, the essence, the soul, God, whatever you want to call it. That, that is where the true work is. So you wrap up college at age 22, you mentioned earlier, were you, were you here in Columbus? Then how does Coffin develop start, development start? Sure. So I went to the University of Arizona until my sophomore year, home between my sophomore and junior year, and my uh, a woman walks into a bar that I'm sitting at and I look across the room and decide that I'm going to marry her. <laughs> so I go back to school and spend the next six months talking on the phone because uh, that's what we did. <laughs> I had this little AOL like modem that I would try to dial up and email her, but that didn't work very well. So I transferred back to Columbus 
and we will be married 20 years in September, so I was right about most of that. And I uh, finished up at Ohio State. I did what what most people at my time in life did, and, and I don't know that this is as true today, but I decided to go get a job to impress her and her parents and whoever else I was trying to impress that looked good. And that, that's really, you know, kind of, again, the, the value that I had chosen for myself that mattered for whatever reasons. And so that was a job in banking. I got some advice. I walked, talked to people, mentors. People told me how hard it was to get jobs in real estate, which was true at the time. It wasn't easy to really go straight into development. And some of the advice I got was, go work at a bank. You'll learn a lot about a lot of things. General business, great experience. I kind of got okay with that concept, but mostly it was like, I'll put on a suit and tie and I'll say I work at the bank and I'm you know, doing commercial banking and that sounds good. That, that, that'll feel like I'm successful you know, for, for that time in my life. And that's what I did. And I hated it, really. I, I, I quickly realized that this kind of corporate America, most people that I was working with were also unhappy in their jobs. Uh, they were you know, taking their lunch breaks, full hour, leaving at five o'clock, living for the weekends, vacations, retirement. And for that reason, it was a phenomenal experience. I learned a lot about what I didn't want to do. And, you know, looking back, really use the experience of the jobs that I had prior to starting in Kaufman Development as the fuel, as, as, as kind of the creation, the motivator to create a very different kind of company that would be something that I would love to do and that I think other people would also. Uh, in, in between the banks, so I, I had a couple of jobs in banking and worked my way into capital markets group. By the way, I was a lousy banker, but I, I, was, I was kind of good socially, so I, I could figure out how to navigate myself into the right room and eventually found myself working with a group that was banking a real estate developer in Texas. And I got to go and kind of, you know, kick the dirt and experience what it was like to see a developer in action. And at that point realized, you know, hey, maybe this is something I could do. So I spent the next 11 years working for another developer in a variety of roles and learned a tremendous amount there. But, you know, really through Built to Lead and a few other things that kind of synergistically happened at the exact same time, got real clear that I thought I could do it differently, that there was you know some kind of burning desire inside of me to creatively build a different kind of community and a different kind of company. And that you know ultimately, that was you know the impetus for starting Kaufman Development in 2011. And you mentioned the creative side of things, and, and your team, you know, is known and has been known for for developing really creative and exciting communities that are kind of different than a lot of what's out there. I mean, the first one that comes to mind right now is, and we'll probably ask about it later, is the Gravity Project you guys are working on. But, but what did you think you could do differently? What did you focus on when 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 you launched that company? And, and were there anything in particular 
that you thought this is what's going to make this community exciting these are the things that need to be different you know the at the essence of the new company coffin development and the communities that we we're going to build which started with a project in new albany called the gramercy uh, that was our first project and the, the, it really the core of it was this idea that I wanted to be able to take these experiences I had had in life and figure out how to solve for them for both me and the people that we were working and living in our communities and in our company and so for example that was philanthropic volunteer opportunities I had had a few experiences where I was just trying to take my kids to volunteer and the amount of unreturned phone calls and and paperwork and disorganization to just be able to give of our time was really frustrating to me so I thought well maybe I can make that simple for people and we can line up volunteer activities for them to just come home from work and drop their stuff and go immediately with a group of people in their community to go do something that makes them feel good about giving back. What if we made that easy for people? You know, similarly, we started getting rid of playgrounds and putting in community gardens. We started offering fitness classes. We started internally to say, you know, rather than, you know, you got to work out in the mornings, why don't we go for a run and we'll talk about our projects? You know, why don't we put together a running club inside these communities and facilitate well-being and fitness and creative expression and, and on and on. So but that was always the kind of core belief is that we could make people's lives better by bringing the things we were passionate about and we believed others were too straight to where they worked and lived. And that's really never changed. Now over the years as we've one, tested it and continue to test it and test it in different ways and kind of turn the dial on the experiences we're creating. And because we believe that there's a lot of runway and how we can expand that, we've started to really go all in on what that means and what that looks like. But at the, at the and that's starting to get into some really interesting territory around mental health and really how we can start to explore a much deeper conversation about how people are living beyond just kind of some um, events and programs. All right, Conquerors, we're going to take a quick break here in the show to tell you about a group called Columbus Gives Back. If you're looking for a way to get involved in your community, but you don't know where and how to start, look no further than Columbus Gives Back. By partnering with over 150 Central Ohio nonprofits, Columbus Gives Back makes volunteering fun and easy by offering 30 to 40 volunteer events each month that are free of cost, commitment, and hassle. Sign up for your first event today at columbusgivesback.org. That's columbusgivesback.org. Conquering Columbus would also like to take a moment to thank the 11th Candle Company. 11th Candle Company may be in the business of selling candles, but the social enterprise thrives on igniting hope. Employing women who have experienced human trafficking, 11th offers the resources to redeem, empower, and support them on their journeys to burn bright again. Every candle sold shines a light on an issue that often walks in darkness and provides hope to once-trafficked women on their path to redemption. Come pour your own candle of hope at Polaris Fashion Place across from the Apple Store or visit www.11thcandlecompany.com. That's www.11thcandlecompany.com. 
and that'll be linked down in the show notes. All right, Conquerors, let's get back to this episode. So along that journey and along the path of developing all the communities that you guys have finished today, what have been the high points and have there been any lows? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a great question. There's been a lot of highs and lows. And, you know, it's, it's definitely a journey that, like I said, takes a lot of twists and turns. There's been some great success. We have been able to celebrate and high five and travel and get a lot of really, really wonderful, kind feedback from people. And there's been some scary times and some restless nights. Uh, no question. That is all part of it. And it's frankly, I think, unavoidable if you're going to be in the game. But, you know, what's interesting about it to me is for better or worse, you know, I, I'm not real wired to have too many highs or lows. Like, I just don't really let myself do that uh, a whole lot because I'm still focused on kind of something much deeper and bigger. And so it's, it's never really about the money. Of course, that's a part of it, but that's just not like it. Like, so if you, if you, you get a big check, like it, like, you know, a project really works and you make a lot of money, you know, especially once you have some like that, that really doesn't get you quite as excited anymore. The, it, it still worries you when it's not going well. So that's, that hasn't gone away. I, I would say the, the real highest of highs for me is when somebody comes and works for our company or lives in one of their communities and their lives are drastically impacted for the better. And they, they tell us about it. Unsolicited feedback. We, we keep a, a success folder that is unsolicited feedback that is significant and and it's a it's a pretty serious measurable that we put on our uh, we call it a, a VTO a vision traction organization tool that when somebody tells us that they lost a bunch of weight and they feel better and they're healthy or they discovered their own opus and they quit their job and they're living the life of their dreams to me that's the, the, the biggest high I've experienced in doing this work. It's funny you mentioned the opus, and I forgot about that word after not having been with Chet for a while, but it, I love the word and the meaning behind it. Um, but I guess, so pivoting from opus, though, one, one of the things that, so Josh and I both lived at 600 Goodell right now, and one of the things that we've always been impressed have with. have to edit that out. We have a lot of fans, and we don't, you know. Right. <laughs> got to be well, careful. Well, we, we didn't tell them which apartment we were in. It'll be fine. <laughs> and then we got a pretty good security at the community. So, um, but one of the things we've well, always been. Would, I mean, I can't, I can't imagine anybody's got any beef with you guys. So. Right. I would hope not. Uh, I don't know. Plus, Josh, can, I mean, Josh can piss some people off sometimes. Uh, so. You know, you're, you're both wrestlers. So, I, I think know. we'll be all right. Um, but. One of the things I've always been impressed with is like the culture and the the commitment to customer service that your team has. Like I feel like I never have to wait very long. Like it's pretty quick. Anytime I put in a request, or and you can tell people actually care about the community and the people they're serving. So how have you guys maintained that culture over time? And especially with now you've got quite a few communities around Columbus. How have you maintained that across all your teams? Yeah, it, it's it's 
it's been a real focus. You know, I think that culture is entirely dependent on the people doing the work. And there's a lot of different theories about, you know, culture, but to me it's it's the service technician is as critical to the culture of the company as I am. Because you're not going to meet me most of the time, but you're going to see him. And so we really, really, from the start, drilled down on culture, passion, primarily at the time early on, passion, character. Those were the things that we were mostly looking for when we were hiring people. And probably to a fault, you know, over time I've realized we now say passion, skill, effort. So you've got to have the skills to do the job and you've got to demonstrate the effort that it's going to take to, to do that job really, really well. And we want you to have the passion. So it's it's all three that, that really, I think, make the ultimate experience go well. But it, it's not something that we can do by ourselves. Again, you know, it, it's really mining for it early. Who is this person? What do they care about? Do they care about the same things I care about? Because because if you're if you care about impacting somebody's life, making a difference in their day, if I can really figure out that that's something that you value, and and is a part of who you are, then I don't have to tell you what our culture is. I don't have to remind you of the words that we put on a wall. That's just who you are, and and I think that's been kind of the key to really maintaining that culture through growth i think it's hard we I mean we, we we fail a lot too but you know that that's that's the that's the aim mm-hmm. i think it's interesting i was actually writing an email probably about a couple months back asking for a package because i never get home in time to get it and the person responded back and said you know we won't be open during that time but i'll bring it up to your to your room for you and i thought like this is this is crazy but i try to reflect back and i say why would I want an apartment complex. I've never lived in one where they've offered to do that. I've never, never been given that service. Why would they ever offer to do that above and beyond what their normal job description probably, probably says? And I, it reflected on me that it has to be from the top down. So, you know, whoever the leaders are of your team that you're putting in place, I mean, they're just, they're definitely instilling it the way that you just described, and that's an interesting experience. Well, and the, the, the thing that's great for me to hear when you tell me that is that's not coming from the top down. Nobody is telling our ambassadors, hey, if somebody needs a package, deliver it. Or if you can't, if they can't come get it during regular hours, it's your responsibility to do that. That is simply that individual caring enough about the people that live in his building. There's no, there's no incentive to that. There's no occupancy goal. There's, there's nothing in there that motivates that person other than who they are genuinely at their core. And so we don't have to put policy in place. We don't have to worry about how we're going to do that if we if we get it right from the start. So getting it right from the start, let's carry that over into the Gravity Project and talk about you know why you decided to start that and then what it turned into and what it is today. And maybe what the, because maybe not all of our listeners know what makes the Gravity Project unique either. Yeah, sure. So uh, gravity is really just our latest expression of the original concept, which was really, again, how do we make a difference in people's lives where they live and where they work? 
now we fast forward so we're you know eight years down the road and what we think makes a difference in people's lives is very different today than it was then and in fact it's a good thing but the trend also came towards us and so these kind of big amenity apartment driven complexes where you've got huge gyms and fitness classes and community gardens and even volunteer activities that's become kind of the new normal in the space so fortunate for us and and i've been really clear about this from the start because there there have been times over the years where people would say well you know our competition's now doing that And, and i've always known it didn't matter because i we built an entire company around people that believe truly in making a difference in human beings' lives. So it wasn't a trend. It wasn't a brand position. This was just exactly who we are and wanted to be. So gravity is now our kind of next huge jump into what that means. And we're specifically, you know, really leaning into the events and the programs and the content and the experience both through bringing art into the project in a, in a significant way with artists from around the world and, and a tremendous big component of local artists um, really being involved, music, uh, a lot in the, you know, we say it's about well-being, impact, and expression. And so that can mean a lot of things, you know, but we've certainly tried to be very specific about curating the right tenants. So we've got Pelotonia in there who's done a phenomenal job building community in Columbus. Roosevelt Coffee, who is a nonprofit coffee shop, you know, who's got all the shared values that we do and has really done a nice job also building community around Columbus. Barkbox. Uh, who was our first office tenant and you know their culture of, of their company just totally embodies those expression and expression and impact and the creative values that we do and there's uh, many others that are starting to fall into place there's Kova a co-working group we're in the process of signing a, a, another tenant which I can't really announce yet but it's all really been curated to bring a very holistic approach to how people live, how they work, and and really creating a community, both for the residents and tenants, but for, for broader Columbus. We're doing a lot of events that are open to the public. People can come and learn and be met where they are. Uh, just like me, you know, we find it to be as important to meet that banker uh, where they are as it is somebody else who might already be a little bit more well-versed in whether it be a yoga or an acupuncture or meditation or a clean eating or whatever it is that we're offering. We want to pull people in from all walks of life and really give them an opportunity to be opened up and to connect and to maybe find something that they had inside of them that they otherwise weren't accessing. That's really what gravity stands for. And it sounds really interesting. I've checked it out a couple of times. I'm going to keep my eye on it. But, you know, first off, shameless plug, Kenny Sipes and Doug Ullman have both been on the podcast. You mentioned Pelotonia yeah. and the Roosevelt Coffee House. So yeah, guys, yeah. go check those episodes out if you haven't yet. But 
Um, one of the things that I took away is, you know, you're, you're, again, this whole interview, I think, impact po people in a positive way has been really important and I guess sounds like part of your opus there. Um, but you focused on impacting the community in a positive way outside of just Kaufman development, right? So you were an adjunct professor at OSU, you've helped build schools, donated to local nonprofits like the Ronald McDonald House. Um, what are some of the projects you're most proud of in that space outside of Kaufman? Yeah, I think probably the project that I'm most proud of is our affiliation with BESA. And, and the reason I'm most proud of that, and there are many that I could name, but, you know, Matthew was somebody that came into my life and our organization very early on. And, you know, we were struggling to provide the volunteer activities on our own. We didn't know how to do it. We, we had a, a what, but we didn't know how. And, and he became the who that really allowed us to uh, live that piece of the dream out inside of our company. And it turned out to be a really powerful collaboration for both of us in that he's now gone on to grow and I'm so impressed to be providing those services for L Brands and Jenny's and Big Lots and Express and Cover My Meds and I think and many, many others. And, you know, when I think back to that moment where he walked to my office and told me that he had this idea to provide a portal for corporations to, you know, and, and I had this problem and the only gap was a little bit of money, you know, and, and to see what that has become today, you know, th that's, that's definitely one of the things that I'm most moved by. And, 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 and we think about the thousands and, and he has numbers on this, but the thousands of hours that have been now shared of of community work across this city it's really something you know and and so it, and we've just been a little piece of that but it's it you know it, it really was just this simple idea but the end result are a lot of people have been cared for and a lot of people have been able to give of themselves that i don't think you know might have been able to do that quite so simply at least and so that, that's really powerful. My wife is really involved with the KIPP school, and we've had a lot of um, KIPsters uh, through our home over the years. And, and that's also really, really um, moving, powerful work to see what you know those kids are doing and what Hannah and her team and the many, many phenomenal, generous people uh, involved with that organization, the work that they did for those kids is, is tremendous. What are your personal goals, and then what are the goals for Kaufman development over the next three to five years? Well, you know, personally, I've got a kind of a forever thirst for growth and continuing to just, you know, more and more clearly define who I am and what I want to do and how I want to spend my time. I've I've spent a lot of effort over the last few years, really organizing my calendar, my days, how I work, the kinds of things that I do when I do them, um, including a lot of routine around 
meditation and exercise and nutrition and kind of self-care and you know finding the balance there in work and, and in life and you know that that's just kind of an ongoing thing that I continually try to set goals and push myself for and optimizing my own life so that I can be the best husband, father, family member, leader, creator, entrepreneur, you know, coach, therapist, whatever it is that I'm doing, you know, that that's just kind of uh, an ongoing, I set new goals every 90 days and they're all towards a one, three lifetime kind of uh, plan that I'm diligent about visiting, revisiting and rinsing, re-rinsing and, and, and working away every day to achieve. Uh, for Kaufman, you know, we're really focused on gravity. So we have a big phase two that we're um, hoping to start later this year. It's five acres across the street from the first phase, which is on um, Broad Street in Franklinton, 500 West Broad. So just across the street, we own five acres that goes from Broad to State along McDowell. And we're really, really excited about continuing to expand what gravity can look like in the context of Franklinton and Columbus. Really, really building a neighborhood that's designed uh, around a health conversation, mental health, this this idea of being, you know, a mind, body, spirit optimized and really, really helping people, you know, live into their best life is is something that's really important to us and exciting and where we're gonna spend our time over the next, you know, three to five years and longer, both here in Columbus and and outside of Columbus. I think gravity is something that will really start to scale into some other markets. Well, Brett, I think that's a good time to kind of pivot towards a couple of our last questions of the show. And, and what I really want to ask you is, you know, today entrepreneurship's kind of in the limelight, right? It's it's the cool thing to do. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. I mean, not everybody. I think that that might be exaggerating, but hopefully you get the point. And, you know, while it's got a positive image, it's an extremely difficult lifestyle. So what's one thing or maybe a couple things about being an entrepreneur you feel isn't discussed enough? Yeah, it's a funny thing. When I when I first got started, I I did a project that project in New Albany I mentioned, and I, I got a really really large bank loan. And you know, these are kind of one of the things just to circle back around to this, you know, idea of the universe and my faith. And it, it's funny to me that I anybody would have given me that loan. I didn't have the balance sheet for it. I didn't have any experience and never done my own deal before. And somebody gave me a loan for a $30 million project. And and there was only one bank that would do it. And it was a group out of Chicago and nobody. I mean, it, the whole thing is doesn't make sense at all. And by the way, it was like incredible leverage and great terms. And I, I'd kill to get that bank loan today. And, and you know, on paper, there'd be all the reasons why you, you could get it today. And I can't. But, but I tell you that because I was sitting in a mentor's office at the time, and he said, if you sign on bank loans that are way bigger than you can afford to pay back and sleep really well at night, then you're in the right business. And 
I remember thinking to myself, oh, well, I guess I'm in the right business because I never even thought about it. I just signed away. And so, you know, the, the, the point is, is that, and I have a, a good friend, uh, Gino Wickman, who is coming out with a book about this entrepreneurial leap. He believes, and, and I think, you know, I trust him because he's done the research, that, that you're either born an entrepreneur or you're not. That you have that in your DNA. It's in your, it's the way you're wired or you, or you don't. And, and if it's in the limelight and it's the thing to do, I, I would just say to people, you know, don't let fear, don't let societal pressure, don't let all, all, the, all the chatter that you might hear from your parents or from others, the, the idea about how things look, you know, maybe it's even worse today with the, you know, kind of Instagram culture that everybody's got this kind of idealistic way about how it's supposed to look. Don't, don't let any of that stop you, but don't feel like you have to do it either. There's no, there's no shame in saying that is not for me. I want to be a great number two. I want to be a high up at a corporate organization or I don't want to work that hard. You know, I, I just don't even want to work that. That's okay. I, I think we have a lot of judgment around, you know, what people are supposed to do and not. And, and I think that's the only thing that's wrong. You know, if you're not an entrepreneur and all your buddies are, but you know who you are, uh, then, then, you know, live into that. If you are and it's in there and you're, you're pretty sure of it, but you're scared or you know whatever else then then let's let's find how we can pull that out of you and for me it was mentors coaches i went to something called landmark forum i started to get around other people that were doing it inspired by them learn from them and and then really just in you know um, gino wickman is my friend who's writing this book it's called the leap you know really you know at some point you got to take that leap and Chet says, you're either drowning where you are or you're on fire about what you want to do. In my case, I was both. But it's generally one of those two things. And, and when that shows up, you have the choice. You know, am I going to go and do it? Or am I going to be drinking beer on my couch 20 years from now, pissed off that you know, I didn't follow my dreams? Well, Brett, that's a great answer. I think it left me a lot to think about and a great place to turn to our last question of the show. It's centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. And without telling you too much about why we chose that for a podcast about entrepreneurs and businesses, uh, what do you think of when you hear the phrase, how does it apply to your life and career? Yeah, I, I think it's a really powerful phrase. It could mean a lot of different things. I think that you know, for me, in fact, I'm reading a great book right now um, called Second Mountain by David Brooks. And he talks about this, this vampire effect where if somebody said to you, uh, you're going to get bit and turned into a vampire, but everybody that's ever done it has loved it and you can live forever and you can fly around at night and it's going to be amazing. But once you do it, you can never go back. Would you do it? And, and so I guess, you know, that, that's the kind of thing is like, once you start 
doing it, you can't kind of unsee what what you see. And and to me, that that's kind of one layer of being uncomfortable is just the start, you know, get getting into it and leaning into it is the beginning of the discomfort. And and the more you do that, the more you start to recognize it and be more comfortable doing it. But 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 not really because it'll just keep showing up in new even more challenging ways to kind of meet you where you are at that time. And you got to kind of continue to lean in to that discomfort. Keep being willing to know what's on the other side of it. And by the way, what's on the other side of it generally doesn't last that long. So having the courage to know I'm going to go through this for these moments of contentment or satisfaction or enjoyment or enlightenment or happiness or whatever it is and still be willing to do it. That's one thing. Brooks really talks about commitment, being really committed to it. If you're really, really committed to something, when you when you choose to get married, when you choose to have kids, when you choose to take an entrepreneurial leap, these are these vampire moments. You have got to really have a strong commitment to something or else it will not last. The other thing for me specifically, which I'm really learning to do, is to be with the uncomfort, the discomfort, to really just let it be what it is. I have a tendency, and I think most people today especially, uh, have a tendency to want to do something about it, change it, run from it, escape from it, distract. Usually, you know, what people are doing now, myself included, go to my phone, scroll, you know, get busy, create another meeting, another project, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and this is, you know, again, this is something that I am currently working on. So by no means have I mastered this, but I'm learning. I'm learning uh, first the awareness. Oh, there's discomfort. Oh, there's resistance. How can I just observe that? How can I be with it? How can I kind of like honor myself? I heard I heard Gary V uh, on a podcast I was listening to last night talk about his superpower. I forget the exact language. His superpower is how much he loves himself, and how how um, and, and love might be the wrong word, but just how kind of kind he is to himself, how forgiving he is to himself. And so for me, that's the thing. You know, get into that discomfort. Don't make it wrong. No shame. It's not, you know, the, the not enoughness or whatever it was that I grew up with, right? It's not going to look good. It's not the run and escape. It's just sit here with the what is. Th- that, I think, is the biggest challenge for me. And, you know, when I hear that being uncomfortable is what comes up for me. Brett, that's a fantastic answer. And I've really enjoyed it. I'm sure Josh has as well having you on the show today. Thanks so much for taking the time to tell your story and talk with our listeners. My pleasure. Thanks for what you guys are doing. I'm, I'm really happy for Columbus that you're giving people like me and, and the many others an opportunity to share their stories. And I'm sure that it's making a difference to the listeners. And I've enjoyed listening to podcasts myself. So thank you both. Appreciate being here. Perfect. And uh, Conquerors, thanks a lot for tuning in. That was Brett Kaufman of Kaufman Development. If you guys enjoyed that episode, be sure to leave us a like, give us a rating on iTunes, share it with your friends, check out all the links down in the show notes. Again, 
Thanks so much for tuning in every week. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like. Share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit found by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. And small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money for great causes and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That is small, B-I-Z, cares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself, become the fastest-growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored-fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.